Hi, everyone, and welcome to SFC's Connect series. Today we have Liz Bryce, SVP of uh, Community and Strategic Initiatives at Canada Helps with us today. And Liz and I have been working over the last several months on a project that Canada Helps and MasterCard have uh, come together to create for nonprofits, which we'll speak a little bit more about. I don't want to give it away just yet. Um, but uh, here today, Liz um, is going to speak with us about uh, Canada Helps, the organization, and as, what they mean to the community of charities across Canada. And as it relates to um, the broader picture of Canada advancing the sustainable development goals. So welcome, Liz. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. So I, I just wanted to start about uh, you and your journey um, and how you came to Canada Helps and why you, you know, um, the work that you're doing, why, why it's important for you to be in this role. Um, so if you can start off with that. Sure. I joined Canada Helps in 2013, so a bit over nine years now. Um, and really, I hadn't worked in a nonprofit before. I'd worked in a completely different kind of role, but I'd done a lot of volunteering. Um, and so it was certainly it was part of, you know, my life. Um, and I was sort of at this career transition point where um, I needed something new. There were some other shifts going on. And I was really interested in technology mm. um, and sort of thought about, like, what kind of jobs that could be. Um, but I also uh, was looking into jobs in nonprofits that really sort of fit my personal values and things that that I could be part of. And so really, it was just sort of good luck that at that moment when I was looking, this opportunity came up at Canada Helps. Um, and it was a really cool time because Canada Helps at that point was um, had just brought on a new CEO um, and was making a lot of changes internally as well in terms of how they were going to operate and what they were going to focus on and really went from, you know, having um, a website that was really well established and, you know, because Canada Helps was created in 2000. So, you know, its first 13 years, um, it was one kind of organization. And then in 2013 was really going through a transition to be a much broader um, organization than what it was. So um, it was just a really lucky opportunity to join at that time when there's so many exciting changes happening um, and, you know, in this time, I mean, my role has changed uh, over the years and all those nine years. Um, I've, but I've really had the privilege of working on, I think, some of the most interesting things that Canada Helps has done. I mean, uh, you know, uh, not to discount the incredible work of our other teams and software developers and data people and all those things, but I've really gotten to work on the pieces that are just such interesting parts of our mission. So, um, you know, the launch of Giving Tuesday Canada. Um, we launched, when we relaunched our website in 2014, we created a new blog, uh, the Giving Life blog, uh, which is about, you know, informing and inspiring Canadians about charitable giving in the charitable sector. So I got to be part of that at the beginning. Um, our Crisis Relief Centre, which is no longer a standalone um, site, it's now part of our overall site, but um, activating uh, and promoting charity campaigns in times of um, crises, mm -hmm. um, which, you know, I, from almost the beginning of my time when uh, there was Typhoon Haiyan in 2013. Um, and it was like, oh, this is the thing we have to do and just sort of go time. So yeah. uh, just important things that have happened that I got to be a part of. And and it, it changed. So, you know, during COVID, we launched our cause funds, which were already in the works, but we uh, sped up for um, responding to that as a crisis and using those for the crisis. And 
um, a number of other things that happened that year. So COVID funds and our Black Solidarity Fund. And then now I'm working on Charity Growth Academy, which as you mentioned, is the pilot project for digital transformation. Um, so even though my role and my title has changed a lot, yeah. I feel like I've been there for a lot of these really um, interesting and key moments. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, Canada Helps is known across Canada, and um, we will um, be showing kind of a video at the beginning of this podcast about who Canada Helps is. Um, but a lot of people don't know the important role it the organization plays in advancing the presence of charitable work across the country itself. Um, and as Canada works to advance the UN's sustainable development goals, and the <clears throat> agenda for 2030. Can you talk about the importance of Canada Helps in advancing this global agenda and specifically advancing charitable organizations across Canada? Because, you know, we want to see, obviously, Canadian charities, um, we're doing so much. And um, to be known as a global leader in advancing uh, the, these goals, um, you need that that voice to be the voice uh, to showcase all of Canada's uh, charities. And I, I feel like Canada Helps is one of those, the largest voice that Canada has um, in showcasing what's happening across the country. Yeah, I mean, like when you look at the SDGs, um, they're so well aligned with what charities do every day. And, um, you know, yeah. like, I mean, official charities, but of course also work of grassroots organizations and others in the nonprofit sector. Um, and so I'm really so lucky that Canada Helps as an organization, my work is in supporting that whole sector. And, you know, Canada Helps does a lot of advocacy, um, mm -hmm. a lot of public speaking, a lot of um, speaking, especially why uh, giving is important, um, but also just the role of charities, particularly smaller charities in Canadian society and everything we do. And mm -hmm. then of course their work uh, internationally as well. I mean, there are 86,000 charities in Canada is covering so much. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, really proud of, you know, the donations that we can raise, I mean, $2.3 billion mm -hmm. uh, in the last 22 years. And mm -hmm. really a significant amount of that has been in the last nine years um, and engaging 3.6 million Canadians in charitable giving. So I think that it's, you know, a huge privilege to be able to have that sort of more umbrella role and be able to support so many other organizations and make sure that they have the funding and also the capacity and the education to do their core work. Right. Um, and one of the things I just love so much about the charitable sector is that they really are tackling complex issues in a very holistic way. So, you know, skills for change, um, you know, you're at, on the surface, an employment organization, right? Your skills training and, and jobs, um, but doing so much more than that. And uh, looking to the future, but what skills are going to be needing, providing other services to people, knowing that people are not one dimensional and they don't just need one thing. Mm -hmm. um, and really understanding that there's, you know, difference in access to other services that might give people opportunities and different needs and so many factors that might go into people's lives for being that are sort of contributing to them being underemployed. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that like even looking at those goals, I love the way that they're framed as like quite simple, but actually cover um, a lot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Canada Helps is just playing a, a, a small role, I think, in that change that organizations across Canada are trying to make. 
small but important vessel um, in in being able to showcase what organizations are doing across the country. And I think uh, what you said as well is just um, the not knowing a lot of folks who um, can come to Canada Helps and get a better understanding of all of the various services, as you said, as a holistic as um, a lot of organizations are <clears throat> becoming not just one focus on one sector, one you know specific area. Um, and I also think it's just great that you have a one place to kind of uh, be able to, if, if you wanna drill it down and really focus on a specific group of individuals or a specific location that that you can actually do that and and you know that your you know your money is going to go towards that specific uh cause i i think that's really um just so key um in a lot of uh individual donors in in particular to have that access um and and so you talked about uh giving tuesday earlier in your intro and um your role in kind of um it, it really exciting that uh, it's part of your portfolio um I, I it's one of the biggest ways in which canada helps is uh, supporting organizations across the country in advancing their mandates and building do donor relations and and skills for change has hugely benefited from uh, this campaign and we really utilize it to the best of our ability to um, to get spread the word um, and obviously comes at a great time at, during the holiday season when you know folks are at that moment that they want to give back to different communities and and we've up and raised you know uh, you know, thousands of dollars in the past uh, during this this time. Um, so with what such a wonderful campaign, what what is can you just explain Giving Tuesday and how it launched and why Canada Helps found it really important to do this, um, you know, create this whole initiative? And then and then what is your, you know, just some examples of what kind of your favorite Giving Tuesday or end of year campaign has been and and what's made it stand out for you? Yeah, so uh, Giving Tuesday this year is actually its 10th year in Canada, um, and uh, this year is on November 29th, so it always is happening on the Tuesday following uh, Black Friday and Cyber Monday, um, so it originally came from the U.S., started in 2012 by the 92nd Street Y in New York, um, so that Black Tuesday, or Black Friday focus um, is, in, and the link to American Thanksgiving is there in the date, but um you know, it was originally created as a way of combating the consumerism of those days. We right. have such huge mm -hmm. focus in our society on money and buying things. Right. And what if we had a day that was just all about giving back? Mm -hmm. And so when it, in 2013, um, after it had its first successful year in the U.S. Um, and starting to spread globally, Canada Helps partnered with a Montreal foundation called Give3 mm -hmm. um, to launch it here in Canada. Um, some other founding partners came out at the time to start promoting it. And it was really just an amazing first year of, I, I think, our expectations. You know, we were ambitious, but we didn't expect uh, the kind of attention it got. Thousands of partners signed up that first year. Um, you know, and people on social media and businesses and so many joining in. And it's really just grown from there. Right. Um, and so now there's official Giving Tuesday movements in 80 countries um, around the world, but really like activities that happen in most countries, yeah. um, just maybe not with an organized movement. Right. Um, and, you know, we see things like in the pandemic, 
um, the Giving Tuesday Global and countries around the world joined together to do Giving Tuesday Now, which was in May. And it was just in response to that incredible crisis of the time um, to say like, this is the day we need to come together again. Yeah. Um, and even though it is a day, it's not really a day, right? It's part of a broader generosity movement, but it is a way of bringing people, people together People like to be part of moments and movements. It's a way of feeling excited and getting engaged and focusing that. And then it can really kick off um, the giving season. So, mm -hmm. I mean, in terms of ones that I, uh, my favorite, there are so many, so many different things that happen all the time. And they range from uh, just being generous and, and really grassroots things to fundraising campaigns. But yeah. I often think about the town of St. Mary's, Ontario, which is a small town, like there's 7,200 people um and they have almost the entire town participating in giving tuesday every wow. year um i looked at the site the giving tuesday site yesterday and there were 24 businesses in the town um officially signed up as partners mm. um and they've been doing this year after year and it just it really embodies what the day is about it's about yeah. community it's mm -hmm. about generosity and it's about working together for change yeah. And from that, it might include fundraising, but it really is yeah. about that togetherness. Yeah. Um, and I think they embody it so well. But there's also, you know, there are these community movements across Canada. There are 40 in Canada, mm -hmm. um, right across country, uh, right across country. Nova Scotia has one. Um, I'm partial to Yukon Gives from my, my, uh, my hometown. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there are other things to see, like the, the Scouts. There was last year they had one uh, called Kindness is Golden. And so there were 464 scouts and they did special giving Tuesday activities of, of generosity and kindness and oh, they got a badge for it. And so it was oh, like so amazing. in line with what they do yeah. as an organization, right, right. but tied to this special thing and able to promote that giving spirit in young people yeah. um, and really sort of try to build that up, which is, I think, something um, that we don't always have these mm -hmm. days in community in, in a lot of places we get very disconnected and very separate and so I love that part of it um and you know I even think just like a couple of years ago Canada Helps went out to Young Dundas Square and we were handing out charity gift cards yeah. um you know small charity gift cards just to try to get more people thinking wow. about giving really small gift cards and just the reaction of people were so suspicious I'm like, <laughs> what are you trying to do here? Right. What are you trying to do? Like, no, no, really. It's it's just a gift. Yeah. Take <laughs> money and go give it to a charity. You have to do nothing else. Yeah. Um, and it was such I love doing it with our team, but also it was just great to hopefully have been, even some of those people think about charitable think giving about, yeah. when they maybe weren't. Right. Um, and I, I love to hear that Skills for Change has done well in donations as well. Um, the data we have is that charities that do participate raise 27 times more on the day than those that don't participate, wow. um, but also uh, 5.6 times more the day after Giving Tuesday through December 31st. So really supporting that idea of like kicking off the giving season. Off, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Oh, I, I just love that um, idea of community and you think about it again, when you think about it from the perspective of what is happening globally and that, you know, Canada and your organization said, we need to be a part of this. Um, and, and then you drill it down all the way to these um, really small communities and the difference they're making. Um, it, it just shows uh, that, you know, it, you, it can be very small, but 
just as impactful as um, anything that's happening globally. And it's it's all connected. And I just, I love hearing that. That's really, really so cool that the scouts also um, incorporated that into their batches. I like that a lot. Um, yeah, uh, you know, Skills for Change, we've, like I said, we've really benefited from it, but also, um, like you mentioned, it just, uh, it, um, it gets people thinking, it gets people engaged in what you're doing, and um, um, it, it really has a purpose um, overall. So uh, thank you for, you know, kind of creating this opportunity for folks to be engaged um, just, just after, you know, uh, the Black Friday and uh, Cyber Monday to say, hey, you know what, we went out there and spent and spent and spent. I know I do a lot of online shopping during that time and it's 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 a moment to give back and reflect. So that's really amazing. Um, and then speaking of which, you talked about, you know, um, you know, the campaigns during COVID and just, uh, you know, the challenges that a lot of charities, a charitable sector faced, including, of course, um, you know, our sector faced a, a lot of challenges just not being able to offer in-person services and, um, you know, we're in employment and uh, the challenges of a lot of employers who wanted to give back both uh, from a perspective of recruitment, um, you know, just un the unknown of a lot of businesses being shut down and things like that. But also, you know, we do have a lot of employer partners who want to donate and support our organization. Um, you know, with those times being so tough economically and inflation also making, you know, uh, taking away from additional money that individuals have to donate, um, how do how do you how do we engage people who might not be able to donate this year but would like to still help organizations such as skills for change and advancing their mandates and you mentioned a couple of the you know initiatives in terms of it's not just about donating it's really about creating the community of giving um so yeah what are what are some of the uh roles that a lot of individuals can play if they don't have the financial means this year that they normally would have and what role does Canada that helps in showcasing that and and promoting that it's it goes beyond just the financial donation well but okay so first we're going to start with financial donations though because i brought you some scary stats <laughs> um <laughs> we had uh we've just done some research this fall we um had uh we had uh, earlier in the year done an ipsos poll and we've just followed up with it to refresh those numbers and it's it's definitely raising alarm bells about charitable yeah. giving um, and it's something we think about a lot at Canada Helps of sort of how that overall trend of, of giving, you know, flatline or even going down this year is, you know, going to impact the sector as a whole. Um, so, you I mean, so inflation September reached 6.9%. Like it's, it's, it's tough in a lot of ways. And I think really now it's been high for several months of really sort of showing itself. Mm -hmm. And so when we looked at, um, we asked Canadians, um, we found you know, more Canadians will likely need help and the demand for services will rise to meet their basic needs, which is something we saw earlier in the year as well. So 74% said that the rising cost of living has neg negatively impacted their finances. Right. Um, and 22% of Canadians said they will have to access charitable services to meet their essential needs, such as wow. food, shelter, food. and clothing in the next six months. Um, it's a little bit lower than our last poll, but still incredibly high. Mm -hmm. um, thinking of those, especially as we go into winter, um, such a huge portion of Canadians, nearly a quarter of Canadians 
um, are going to need the support of the sector. Mm -hmm. And so that's really, really scary in terms of just our society as a whole and in charities' abilities to keep up with that. Um, And then, you know, the the more bad news before I get to some, you know, some (laughs) ideas, but um, 20% of Canadians expect to give less to charities in 2022 Mm -hmm. than in 2021. Um, 45% about the same and 13% said that they intend to increase it. So I think, um, that part is the one that I think is a great opportunity for, um, charities this year is knowing that some people are going to keep it the same. They still need attention and engagement, um, and stewardship to maintain Mm -hmm. those relationships. Some people are going to give less and that's just the realistic, but for the ones who have the capacity and want to give more. Right. They said that they wanted to give more because they really care about people who are um, experiencing hardship this year. So there are you know, people who intended to give more to crises. So mm-hmm. in the Pakistan floods, the war in Ukraine, um, unfortunately, likely more climate crises and, yeah. and political instability. Um, so wanting to respond to that, but also just knowing how hard Canadians have been hit by the pandemic and inflation. And so really having that desire to give. Mm-hmm. So I think... Uh, thinking about strategies for engaging donors who maybe those higher value donors yeah. and being able to share the impact of, of of what their gift can do and how much it is needed this year, I think is going to be really important. Mm-hmm. Monthly giving can also be a really good strategy, um, maybe for those donors or maybe for those donors who aren't thinking that they're able to give this year, mm-hmm. maybe they instead will give less, but more frequently, more frequently. you know, like yeah. small mm-hmm. gifts, once a month really add up it's easier for them to budget it provides reliable data um, or reliable uh, finances for charities and so focusing in on sort of different strategies there um, to keep people engaged and keep them giving in whatever the way they can mm-hmm. um, or, or even maybe it might just be pausing a donation for now but being able to follow up in the future um, and then in terms of other strategies I mean I think it's always important for charities to think about strategies for engaging donors and building those um, those relationships longer term, term, especially when we think about younger donors, um, mm-hmm. which is when we look at charitable data, giving data, it's older donors are giving the most of the money. Right. Um, and at some point that's not going to be sustainable yeah. anymore. Um, although we're also looking at potential wealth transfers to younger donation, right. younger donors, um, younger Canadians who might become donors in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, younger donors often have a less direct path to giving. So engaging um, people in other ways. So um, you know, uh, news having them join your newsletter and making sure you're mm-hmm. providing really great content that's mm-hmm. of value and yeah. um, sort of having the privilege of being in their inbox by right. um, sharing impact stories or stories of what you're doing or issues about the cause you're supporting. So like mm-hmm. the you know sharing um, stories about barriers to um, employment or and mm-hmm. other things like that as yeah. ways of just engaging them in your cause mm-hmm. um, you know uh, other ways that you might be able to take part that aren't financial volunteering there's been yeah. a huge drop in volunteering across the country yeah. in the pandemic right. um, and some of that um, depending if it's in person or not um, may not be a time to bring it back but there might be other opportunities for volunteering you and I obviously are talking about digital volunteering yeah. and ways that people can contribute skills from mm-hmm. their homes or from mm-hmm. a distance. Um, you know, if depending on the kind of work that your organization does, 
you have petitions or letter writing campaign or other kind of advocacy work mm -hmm. that is important for the work you do, that's a great opportunity to engage people in that. And it's not financial, it's time yeah. and it's about community building. Um, and it, or even just things of sharing stories on social media, like they're small things. Yeah. And I think sometimes people like to criticize young people for going, oh, they just want to do things on social media. But <laughs> but sharing those messages is important, important. and it's important yeah. to reaching more people. And so thinking about crafting that. Um, and then the last one I'm just thinking about is about thinking about how you're communicating into what audiences. Um, right. There, Some of the research that we did last year for the Giving Report, uh, particularly looking at generational giving, was the importance of, of social justice to young people. Yes. And I think that like the charitable sector is doing so much social justice yeah. work. Yeah. But they don't always talk about it in that yeah, way. They true. don't always use that justice lens, mm -hmm. even though their work is so critical in the way that they're the yeah. communities they're engaging. Um, and I think thinking about how you can tell your story in the yeah. way that's going to resonate with different audiences yeah. is so important for, for sort of building those relationships long-term. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really great point. And of course the younger generation, Gen Z and, and whatnot, even my son who's seven years old, I feel like is so socially aware um, and really interested in, you know, um, doing something. Uh, I know he's really passionate about um, the environment. So it's about, mm -hmm. you know, um, really connecting them with something. And uh, like you said, just telling telling that story and uh, the impact that um, your organization is making um, to advance those issues. I think that's really critical. Completely. I mean, I think young people, I definitely hear about the environment a lot from my daughter you know, in the municipal election in Toronto, yeah. we talked about the candidates and mm -hmm. we talked about in, in particular um, candidates' views on um, on homeless encampments and parks. Right. And she had such a strong reaction about protecting people who needed help and mm -hmm. uh, need access to space as well. And yeah. like, I think young people get it so yeah. much in a way that yeah. we don't give them credit for. It's, it's very true. We need to tap into um, that group, <clears throat> excuse me, definitely of uh, just understanding the issues in a way that probably I definitely didn't at that age. <laughs> I wasn't really focused on that, um, but really stark um, and concerning stats that you just provided and uh, that much more important. Um, like, like you said, that um, if you can't, you know, to tap into specific donors and specific ways of donating, but also to let folks know that, you know, this, this year, more than ever, uh, clothing drives and food donation drives and things like that will be equally as critical. And so um, really just um, letting folks know that there are other ways that they can support, um, you know, donating uh, to organizations, even including ourselves, we, we, we will deliver food and um, clothing to, you know, low income families and things like that. Um, those that are facing, um, you know, how housing uh, challenges and food shortages. So um, really critical to know that this year, there are multiple ways that you can get engaged. Um, and you and you switching gears and you mentioned a little bit about, you know, digital volunteering. And so um, want to get into the Canada Helps and MasterCards Growth Academy. Um, so can you explain to our audience what this is and why Canada Helps decided to co-lead this initiative for nonprofits? Yeah, so Charity Growth Academy right now we're in a pilot stage, but what it's what it is, is a free program 
to help charities through the journey of digital transformation in a supported and systematic way. So um, we've outlined a series of phases to move through. So starting with an assessment of where they're at, um, providing an action plan, a sort of a roadmap for this digital transformation journey, uh, giving access to training resources, having the support of uh, volunteers, so in this case, MasterCard as part of their new uh, ChangeWorks program is not only uh, provided critical um, funding for this program, but also offering their staff as volunteers to help with the, the heavy lifting and building those capacity, uh, the capacity of the organizations and really just making change faster. Mm -hmm. um, and then also grants because uh, lack of funding has been the number one barrier cherries have told us um, about digital transformation. So we started from this place of, you know, there's a huge need in the sector. Um, we have been talking about this at Canada Health for years. And often, um, you know, our former CEO, who is really passionate about this, would give a talk in digital transformation and really trying to get across that this is, you know, a strategic decision. It's something get in, it gets integrated in all you do. It's not about acquiring new technology. Right. Um, but still at the end, people would say, okay, but how do I do this? What do yeah. I do? What is the practical thing I need to do now? Which is a very valid question because, you know, understanding the concept and being able to implement it in your organization are very different things. Yep. And so the idea for this has been in the works for many years. Mm -hmm. uh, we know we want to be able to do more for charities and help them through this. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, just wonderful opportunity with MasterCard is they created this ChangeWorks program in Canada, which is specifically focused on um, digital skills and data in, for nonprofits, which there's not a lot of funding in that way and really looking to no. build those digital capacities. So uh, just a wonderful alignment with what we wanted to do. Um, and, and the goal is that, you know, we, we did the digital skills report uh, in 2021, which is a survey of charities about their digital skills and just giving mm -hmm. them some really good baseline data. Yeah. Um, you know, one in three charities believe it'll be harder to do their work if they don't improve their capabilities. Um, and most charities rate their skill level as fair or poor. Um, yeah. So like a lot of opportunity there. And certainly the pandemic helped um, right. in leaping everyone forward, really people get why this is important. Mm -hmm. But I think, I think in some ways, we also skipped over some of the important foundational things yeah, of that. Of it was it was, it was panic and responding to a need. Mm -hmm. And even in Canada Helps, there were lots of things that we did in a rush right. um, to just because we everybody just had to survive yeah. overnight, right? Yeah. Um, and so it's like a real opportunity, I think, now to go back and say, like, there's enthusiasm. We know this is important. Mm -hmm. What can we put in place and help these organizations set up now as sort of foundational technology skills yeah. and tools and processes so that they can continue to move forward in an efficient way and where they're going to feel good about it and they see the value in their organizations. Yeah. Yeah. That's so critical. And, um, and, and same with skills for change, you know, we got kind of thrusted into um, having to figure it out. Um, but definitely uh, like most organizations, as you mentioned, like probably missed a ton of steps in between um, that I'm proud to say that Canada Helps and MasterCard, you know, helped us through and and as, as Skills for Change has been part of that first cohort. Um, and you and I have talked about just the lack of funding um, available for things such as digital transformation for organizations. So why was it important for uh, you to uh, support the digital transformation of nonprofits? I mean, 
I think from our, our data, it's if we don't, charities aren't going to survive. I yeah. mean, it's, it's such a critical issue now. The world continues to change. And if the sector does not change too, it's just, it's not going to make it. But of course, like we don't even just want charities to survive. We want to support a thriving charitable sector and right. we want charities to be able to operate effectively. We want them to attract and retain staff. We want them to be able to deliver their programs and achieve their missions and report on that in ways that mean that they're spending their energy on the right things and not on like manually taking data from this spreadsheet to this spreadsheet and cleaning up an error and not trusting it uh, or nobody knows where to find it. And, you know, like we, it, there are so many opportunities for even just like efficiencies that digital tools can provide mm -hmm. that that can redirect really scarce resources to something better and also can if you think back into like well, how could this help us you know do even more like efficiency is one thing but also um you know better deliver deliver services to our beneficiaries like if we understand the needs of our clients better and we have real-time data mm -hmm. how can we tweak what we're doing yeah. so it better meets the needs or responds to what is needed at a time and not having a huge leg so there's tons of opportunities there. It's mm -hmm. also just opportunities in, um, you know, like being more strategic about technology and, um, you know, not wasting money by having 15 different systems that aren't talking to each other or working <laughs> separately. And also thinking about things like how do I, for every new thing I'm trying to do, everything I, I want to get funding for, mm. what is the role of technology in that? And not only setting it up, but sustaining it long-term yeah for that program. And so some of these mindset shifts in how we approach technology and how we use it um, and be able to sort of filter that out to governments or foundations or donors and understanding that by thinking of this holistically, it's really gonna help the organizations um, be more successful in the future, which if you're funding an organization is what you want. Right, right. Yeah, and, and I think everything that you have said has resonated with me in terms of being part of the first cohort and really um, taking a, a, a look at what is happening at our organization and how we can make those efficiencies and be tell better impact stories even, right? Like um, having that data and having that in one you know place that you can, like you said, understand the better understand the profile of your clients um, what uh, what their needs are so you can craft uh, programming and then tell their stories and share their stories and say what the impact has been on them is uh, is been a huge learning and a huge takeaway for us. Um, and and just like you said, it, it, it can range from everything from programming and bettering your programming and enhancing your programming to even your onboarding and your retention of your of your staff and just in in this time day and age when a lot of organizations are you know working remotely and how do you onboard an individual and and kind of explain to them how um, they fit in, into the grand scheme of things, it, it's, it's become a challenge, right? And so having that access to that technology is so critical, but really understanding how that can help that individual's uh, process as they you know, get set up into your organization and wanna grow and thrive uh, with your organization. So there, it, it, it's just supporting so many different areas. Well, and it's also so much, I mean, I talked about sort of like actual technology and what it can do, but of course, like 
in this process, we're looking at mindset shifts and cultural yeah. changes yes. is like an organization that's thinking about how to use technology differently is also in the way that they're operating. I mean, I know that we've had lots of conversations about um, just the the leadership at Skills for Change in, you know, taking new approaches to things or yeah. looking for new opportunities rather than feeling like uh, you can't, you know, rather than being like, oh, that's too expensive or that's too right. much change. It's, it's seen it as opportunities. Yeah. And I think those cultural shifts are going to be so important for mm. um, successful digital transformation, which when yeah. you look at for-profits, it's the same issues that they run into as well. Yeah. But we think about like engaging or attracting and retaining young staff now yeah. um, in the sector. It's a sector that, um, you know, there's a lot of talk of burnout in the sector and, mm-hmm. um, and you know, things like that. And so if you want to be able to attract new energy to the sector and people who are excited about change, the cultural shifts are going to happen too. Definitely. You can't just take a, somebody who's, uh, you know, a digital person and drop right. them in an analog organization right. and think they're going to be happy if yeah. you're not <laughs> as a cultural culture trying to shift with the times. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be a thing. Like we're not looking to, re- we're not looking to run people out of jobs. We're not of looking not. to yeah. not focus on the, you know, the missions of the organization. Yeah. Yeah. But this is a way of shifting the organization so it can be even more successful yeah, and have an even greater impact. Yeah, definitely. And so what are some of the takeaways that you have learned from that first, the the first cohort? Yeah, I mean, some of the ones that have been really interesting for me, I mean, there's been tons of enthusiasm. I mm-hmm. think, I think a lot, there's been so much talk and so having something tangible um, as actually a way of approaching it. I'm so happy to see all the enthusiasm from those in the program and, and those outside as well. I mean, we had a great interest when we launched it uh, more broadly to charities of, you know, people signing up and saying like, tell me when I can join this. So I yeah. love that. There's so much enthusiasm for it. I mean, what's been interesting to me is we started with a hypothesis that smaller charities um, were the ones that were going to need the most help. And some of that came from the research of of smaller charities, um, you know, budgets and, mm-hmm. and local oversight. But really what we're finding is size isn't really the the different the differentiator i mean it's a small sample group obviously it's only 11 yeah. pilots but but there's something else like there's there can be a large organization mm-hmm. that um is just more um siloed or doesn't have the leadership support and there can be a very small organization that has nothing in place, but they are enthusiastic and willing. And they're like, okay, what can I change now? Right. Um, right. And then other small organizations that have been operating for a long time. And it's just, it's harder to, it's harder to make those shifts. So we're looking at ways that we can um, sort of identify earlier on what sort of what the needs are of different sort of profiles of charities right. so that we can better design programming for those different needs. Um, And some of them might be more size-based, but I think there'll be other factors. So that's something that um, is going to be really important as we continue to learn through this is, is how we identify sooner, um, you know, what those needs are and we can set those groups up for success more. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think there's still a lot of fear, um, Mm -hmm. even with people who want to do this and they know how important it is. It's Mm -hmm. scary. And especially if you, maybe aren't that comfortable with technology, 
um, or what this is going to look like. Um, I, I'm, you know, it's wonderful that even though there's, um, you know, fear, they're still willing to take the steps. Right. But um, it, I think we need to recognize that mm -hmm. and support people through that and, and you know, not tell people just don't be scared because that's not realistic. Yeah. So we yeah. need to right. understand where people are at and meet them there. Yeah. Um, change management, big part, especially um, in more established organizations is, is knowing that there's going to have to be resources uh, invested in that process. Yeah. Uh, when you're a small organization, and I can say this as, you know, having joined Canada Help when we were 17 people, and now we're 115 people of yeah. how you communicate a change and the yeah. reasons behind a change just requires so much more attention. Um, and so for something so big as digital transformation, mm -hmm. there's going to have to be um, something in place that helps bring people along um, and help support that. And so I think that's part of why we're focusing so much on that. So those foundational steps. Yeah. Um, and, but I think the biggest thing, and this is the one that I don't know if I have a solution for yet, mm -hmm. um, is when we did our survey um, after the organizations had gone through the process mm -hmm. and we asked like, what, if anything, do you think might get in the way of you achieving your plan? And every single person said, time, capacity, or resources, yeah. or some version of that. <laughs> right. Um, because that is the reality of the sector. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody has hired a new person to do this work in right. your organization <laughs> because there's no funding to hire a whole new role to drive digital transformation. It's, it's, it's usually the 10th thing on your list of things that <laughs> you're responsible yeah, for. <laughs> there's a whole new job on top yeah. of your, your job. And it's amazing that there's enthusiasm. Um, you know, like the energy that you bring to every interaction is like you're enthusiastic about this, but this is not your core job. Yeah. And and so that 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 issue of of making time is is a big one. Um and you know, and I had a wonderful conversation with um, somebody else in the sector last week who talked about sort of prioritization mm -hmm. and learning what to say no to yep. and being really deliberate about it. Because even if you bring somebody else in to do some of the work you're doing now, so you have time for this, mm -hmm. you could still fill up your schedule with all sorts of other things. Yeah. So there's part of this is needing um, to be really intentional yeah. and figuring out how you can make space for it. Because if you can't make space for it, it just can't happen. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and we've talked about that before, um, just from the perspective of our, our experience of being part of a project like this and a program like this is um, that because we have you as champions, and, uh, you know, really focused on the follow-ups and focused on connecting regularly, um, it, we are making it a priority, right? And, um, you know, it, it can get sidelined with all the other things going on and, you know, the core programming, which is the most important uh, part of our work. But, um, but having those champions and really having a focused attention on that has really brought out our energy and enthusiasm to move it forward. So, um, you know, and, and then, you know, uh, we were run out of time today, but 
I would love another session where we talk about the next step, which was around corporate volunteering and the importance of um, that as part of not just this project, but just in general around, um, you know, how important it is for corporations and organizations to come together um, to offer that support um, so that we do have some additional capacity and resources uh, to move those uh, digital technologies along, you know, transformation along forward and at a, at a faster rate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think there's so many things that as a sector, we're going to have to try and see what works best. Um, and we're going to just have to keep trying these things um, so that we can make the change we need. Definitely. Well, thank you, Liz, so much for taking this time to chat with us. I learned a lot today, not just about Canada Helps, but about, you know, the Giving Tuesday campaigns and, and um, just about uh, your role in advancing, um, you know, the charitable sector across Canada. And so thank you for all of the work that you do and appreciate you coming here today. And like I said, would love to have you back to just explore more um, around this, maybe after the Giving campaign is done this year and some of the lessons learned uh, from this year, just given some of the changes with uh, post-COVID and, and the economic crisis that we're in right now. So I uh, appreciate you taking the time and we will chat soon. Wonderful. Thank you for having me. Thank you.